Well, hello there. It's another day. I'm Jim Harrington. And I am Bill Knight. I guess uh, it would be happy uh, day after Easter. I mean, you know, a lot of people had weird Easter's. You know, I don't know that the holidays are quite like they used to be. And we know religion is no longer important wow. uh, to holidays, you know, uh, in the United States. Well, you know, States. it's sad. I saw a statistic. I, I'm just off the top of my head. I think it was like 40% of people think that religion is important right now. Yeah, it's like 38%. It used to be like 70% when we were younger. Yeah, yeah and it kind of disgusted me because, you know, I had to run out and get a couple of things yesterday for a last-minute, uh, well, you, you know what it was, uh, a dessert Surprise. Yeah, you just and, he um, just told me about this dessert he made, folks. I got to tell you, it's a diabetic delight. It, it was an explosion of the mouth. <laughs> he had everything yeah. in there but the kitchen sink, and oh, yeah. he was working on that. <laughs> yeah, I had to go get the stuff for it because it was a challenge, you know. Well, you know, my son wanted one thing, and then, you know, so we goosed it. But the only thing what... is, if we talk about the ingredients in the dessert he made would spend the next half hour because it took him that long just to yeah, tell me the long, list yeah. of stuff he put in it. It was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it, <laughs> it, it, it was something to, uh, a sight to, to behold. For. <laughs> <laughs> if you ate but, it, you uh, might. I'm noticing a lot of people are, you know, we're paying homage to the holiday, you know, and really it's, it's Christian holiday. Absolutely. You know, uh, so if religion is not important to you, um, yeah, I know family gatherings and get together. That's, that's part of, you know, religious beliefs, but still, you know, if you don't believe in it, don't participate in it because that just makes you a hypocrite. Just a couple of weeks ago, there was a shooting in a Christian school in Nashville, Tennessee, six innocent people were slaughtered yeah. by, uh, this person. And I won't, you know, and, Carmela Harris goes down to Nashville uh, this past week. At first glance, you think, oh, she's going down to pay tribute. She was going down to Nashville because there was a protest in the state capitol by the Democrats, and they literally took over parts of the of the capitol building in Nashville, yeah. in, in Tennessee. And, and uh, so what happened is three Democrat representatives were ousted from the legislature because of their actions on becoming. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess Carmela was down there protesting the, uh, the result of the storming of the Capitol. She was protesting the fact that three legislators who were protesting with bullhorns and egging the crowd on were kicked out of the legislature. Here's what she said. Listen, they chose to lead and show courage to say that a democracy allows for places where the people's voice will be heard and honored and respected. And they understood the importance, these three, of standing to say the people will not be silenced. To say that a democracy hears the cries, hears the pleas, who hears the demands of its people who say the children should be able to live and be safe and go to school and not be in fear. You know, I got another minute and 10 seconds of her doing that. I, I just can't take it, so I'm not oh, going to play it. Uh, you but, know, I, I want to thank her, though, for finally realizing the insurrectionist they went through the same thing and her acknowledging that the election was stolen and they are the voice of the people and they proved that we live under a tyrannistic government. Thank you, Kamala. <laughs> she wasn't saying that. She was saying uh, all of that stuff meant something if you were a Democrat, but if you were a Republican or a conservative, words, yes. well, it's, it's a whole different ball game. Uh, yes. she, she called the people who were peacefully protesting on January 6th insurrectionists. That's the term that they used so freely. They were insurrectionists. They are still putting uh, conservatives and uh, Republicans and Trump supporters in jail to this day. But yet in Tennessee at the Capitol, 
They were literally in control of the Capitol building. These three representatives who were bounced were uh, on bullhorns, uh, screaming uh, encouragement to the crowd to do more. And uh, they should have been arrested, but they were only bounced from the legislature. Mm -hmm. She's a fraud. She gets up in well, front. Well, they're of, trying to bolster her up a little bit. Oh, because she's the world's she's worst joke. orator. Honest to goodness. So someone should sit her down. Carmela, go back to uh, ignoring the border. I mean, she's the border czar, right? I don't think she's ever been down there. She's just an empty suit. She's an empty suit. Well, that's so many people in government today. But, you know, you, you remember, uh, was it last week when Corrine Jean-Pierre was asked about uh, uh, was the crime at that school where the murders took place, was that a hate crime? And she said... Um, former Vice President Pence said that if the shooter who killed six people uh, in that Christian school in Tennessee was motivated, motivated by a hatred towards Christians, that the crime should be categorized as a hate crime. I'm wondering what the president thinks of that kind of designation. It's not for us to decide. See, now, in Buffalo, when there was the shooting, it was a hate crime instantaneously, Bill. Instantaneously. Mm -hmm. They couldn't get in front of a camera fast enough to call it a hate crime. But when a transgender kills six innocent little children in a Christian school, that's not for us to say. You know? I mean, it, it is really, truly amazing the double standards we live in. And, you know, the Christian faith is being stomped on everywhere. Now, I'm not talking about Catholicism or Episcopalianism or Lutheranism or Baptist or Methodist. I'm not talking about denominations. I'm talking about Christianity in general is being stomped on by this administration and uh, many of those on the left, you know, those little people who were killed in that school. Do you think it right. was a coincidence it was a Christian school? You know, I, whatever, I saw something else at uh, Saturday Night Live. They have no problem. Oh, yeah. Have, I, I didn't see the bit, but I saw the, the oh, press they on have, it. They have no problem um, making fun of Christianity. It opens up. You can see the scene on uh, uh, I think Gateway Pundit has uh, the, the article and the clip, but it opens up uh, with the Last Supper. And it's Jesus and the apostles, right, having the, the last meal. And they're making fun of everything. They're making fun. And then Donald Trump walks in in front of the camera and starts talking about Jesus. It is so easy for the left to minimize and criticize Christianity and they wouldn't do it to other faiths, really. They would, you wouldn't see in England, in Oxford College, Oxford, mind you, right? Uh, Oxford, there, yes. there was a, a, a dinner that they were supposed to have that was, it's like a Christian-based dinner. Well, they decided not to have it in favor, in favor of a Muslim dinner. They're going to have a, mind you, they've been having this dinner for decades, Okay. So that, that's going to be changed, and, and people are upset about that. But they don't have a problem doing it. They haven't said, okay, well, we'll go back to the Christian dinner. They're still going to do the Muslim dinner. Also, Walter Reed, Army Hospital. This is just last Friday. They sent out a, a memo saying that uh, the Catholic chaplains were, were going to be removed from Walter Reed, uh, and they didn't give a good reason for it. It was just... They were removing, I think, Franciscans from the hospital because they were form they weren't there proselytizing. They weren't there acting as missionaries. All they were doing was going around to other Catholic patients and offering them like communion or they can go to mass or you know, they were just uh, uh, ministering to their own believers already. But they dismissed them from the hospital. So they don't have access to priests. I think they said now they have maybe one chaplain, one Catholic chaplain in, in the whole hospital where they used to have many uh, chaplains. So they don't give you a reason why they're doing it. They just stop it. Okay? They just pull the plug on it. But Bill, I got a, I got a clip here and it's so appropriate. Mm -hmm. It's a little long, but it's worth listening to. 
The gentleman's name is Dr. Thomas Williams. He's the Breitbart radio correspondent uh, based in Rome. He's a right. religious religious scholar, and he was on with Steve Bannon on his program, War Room, and he was talking about where Christianity is right now. And uh, if you don't believe that we're at war already, then you're not paying attention. This is Dr. Thomas Williams. I think courage is so important because it's, it's like the forgotten virtue of our day. It used to be something that was front and center of classical civilization. They would talk about the four cardinal virtues, prudence, justice, fortitude, and temperance. Fortitude, courage, this ability to stand fast in the face of opposition is something that we hear very, very little about today. Everything is supposed to be easy. If it, if it hurts you, take a pill. If, if it bothers you, lie down, take a time out, do whatever it is. We don't realize that you know a big part of human life and a big part of Christian life is being willing to stand up to opposition. It's being willing to stay in the fray even when your life's on the line, even when you know, your, your personal property, your personal goods, your personal well-being are all on the line. Uh, and, and courage is a virtue, boy. I mean, Holy Week and, and Good Friday that we just lived is rife with this. Look at Jesus on the cross. I mean, that's for our admiration, yes, our gratitude, yes, but also that's an example of the witness, the, 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 the faithfulness unto death that Christians are called to, to live. Um, and this is something, this is, this is our model, this is our role model of what it means to actually live our faith to the full. And I think that this is something that's very daunting, it's very scary, uh, it's something that's very even repugnant to our nature, we don't want that. Uh, and yet at the same time, I think we know that we're called, this is a part of what it means to be Christians, we have to fight the good fight. Uh, like St. Paul said as he neared the end of his life, you know, I've finished the race, I've, I've run the race, I've fought the good fight, and now I await the, the, the reward that's coming to me. Um, you know, would that we could all say that, would that we could reach the end of our lives and say, I did, I finished the race, I stayed in the game, I played it to the end, and, and I won. Uh, this is what we're called to. And whether that means praying for our persecuted brothers and sisters, whether it means praying for ourselves and the strength to endure whatever we're going to be asked, whether it means, uh, you know, fighting for religious liberty, which uh, Pope John Paul II called the cornerstone of the edifice of human rights, you know, this, this sense of restoring it to its proper place is America's first liberty, religious freedom, uh, and a willingness also to push for that all around the world. You know, these are, there. there's a great challenge for us as Christians right now, not to back away, not to hide in a hole, but to go out on the streets and to proclaim the truth and to live the truth and to be willing to stand up to the opposition that is trying to beat it down. Do you believe that persecution, the, the harassment of daily life and, and thwarting opportunities and all that is, is going to get more intense and, and lead to transition over to the red type of martyrdom or the red persecution as seen in the covenant school because the covenant school should be a bellwether of the people that is like a should be like a fire bell in the night those kids were specifically targeted by a student that had gone there and who who, who, who is from everything we read had intensely devout christian parents that her hatred of christianity her hatred of this faith that's where they won't release the manifesto it had to be quite deep. I mean, I think signs of it are all around us. And I think that we're living in a time of accelerated transformation of society. And especially with regard to the way Christians are perceived and the way Christians are treated. Um, I mean, look at a couple examples here. Look at the FBI. Since when does the FBI target and use RICO laws against peaceful protesters outside an abortion clinic the way we've been, we've been seeing the last couple of years. Since when does the FBI uh, have an internal memo saying we're going to be targeting those who go to the Latin, the traditional Latin mass, because they have a high propensity to become Christian nationalists and white supremacists. And so we're going to target them, despite the fact that obviously there is zero evidence of this. So when you're militarizing our security forces against the American people and against those who take their Christian faith seriously, whether it's because they're upholding the moral truth of the dignity of the human person, or whether it's because they want to worship in a way that, that is dignified and, and does honor to their God, and they're targeted by government for this. I mean, and what is that if not an indication that 
it's open season. If the government will do that, that also is an indication to regular citizens, hey, it's a free-for-all now. You can do this because these this group is no longer something that should be tolerated the way that they're living. Um, no, I think there are signs all around, and I think, as you mentioned, this um, the Covenant School shooting was horrific. It's a, a very good example, of the, especially the way that it's reported on and looked upon and justified. Um, no, it's going to get worse, and it's going to get bloodier. I mean, I, I think we have to do what Christians have always done. We, we need to remember in the first place, remember the martyrs, This do this in memory of me, this idea of looking back and of drawing strength from our heroes. Uh, the saints uh, in, in every tradition, in every Christian tradition, the saints are our heroes. They are the ones, they are heaven's athletes. They are the ones who have fought the fight. They are the ones who have won uh, won the battle. And we need to look to them for inspiration. We need to look to them um, as role models of what we're, what we're called to be in this world. Why is it that we're alive today? What is it that is our task in the world today? Why are we living now and not 200 years ago, not 20 years in the future? If we're Christian believers, we know that God has us here for a reason. And we're called to live in this time, in this historic moment, because we have a job to do. We have a mission. And I think that becoming more and more aware of that, informing ourselves about the situation of what's going on, and taking it upon ourselves shoulder and shoulder with our brothers and sisters to fight that good fight and to stand firm and to proclaim the truth, both of the gospel, but also of the need for respect and religious freedom, which is again, our first freedom. I think that is what is, is incumbent upon us today. Do you believe that this transition, you say it's rapidly transforming, you think this, you're gonna see this in the United States, an acceleration of this process here in this country? Oh, I, I, I think we're already seeing it. Um, and it's something, you remember Cardinal Francis George, who was a wonderful Archbishop of Chicago and died uh, maybe 10 years ago, 15 years ago, but he said something while he was alive, he said, I'm going to die in my bed. My successor will die in prison, and his successor will die as a martyr. He foresaw, and this was before uh, I wasn't seeing what I'm seeing today, uh, even 15 years ago. The, the, again, the accelerated pace of transformation and the way Christians are now looked upon as, as bigots and homophobes and, and enemies of, of right-thinking society. Yeah, I think we're seeing this develop at such a rate that we're going to see martyrdom in our lifetime. Wow. Now, remember one thing, folks. We are a Judeo-Christian uh, country. We have we were founded, actually, the Judeo part was added later. Initially, we were founded on Christian values. I'm That's talking right. about our, our uh, you know, the, the founders of our nation, the guys who wrote the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence and all those. Uh, they were... They they were unabashed about uh, the fact that they were basing our country on those values, you know, and we're we're having that pulled apart right now. It's it's being torn apart. We don't we, they don't want us to look to that anymore. Uh, as a matter of fact, they want to demonize the good in our country. I'm talking about uh, the there's left. separation of church and state, and there's just the total extraction of the church. Yeah, and uh, total, you know, just they want to remove it from our society, our society totally, and ban it. And that's what they're trying to do. There, there's so many things that they are trying to do right now uh, during this time, and I can't just say it's the administration who is going on. Although this guy was in, in the previous before Trump in the administration. And uh, he's been around for a long damn time. And this has been a long uh, unraveling plan to sit there and rewrite America and uh, get us in shape for changes to come. And some changes can be good and we're going to evolve. You know, some changes can be very bad. This guy wears the cloak of Christianity when it's convenient. I'm talking about Biden. He'll say, yeah. I, I, I was brought up Catholic. I don't want to hear it, pal. That's a lot of nonsense. You're full of baloney, okay? I mean, you don't, you know, actions speak louder than words, especially your words. Uh, if you were a good Christian, would you be so casual about uh, allowing the drugs into our country that kill young people on a regular basis? I mean, a good Christian would fight to stop that. Would you be somebody who allows young children to come across the border to be sex trafficked 
to be sex traffic, and it's happening all the time. Heck, was it last week, Bill, or the week before last, I read a story about a little two-year-old boy who was all by himself, who was found trying to get across the border by himself, two and and a half years old. He's got his blue jeans on, a green coat, and a knapsack, and a woman, another illegal, she finds him all alone and brings the little boy to a border guard and says, "Uh, I, I found him, he's not mine, I found him wandering in the in the desert and that's biden that's on biden that wouldn't be happening if biden wasn't making it so attractive for people to to slip across the border uh and again you know trump got an honor somebody called uh he was the president that's done the most to to minimize sex trafficking in his administration yeah, and and he and he said he was that was an honor. He was honored to have that. He 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 done the most to to try to stop it. Biden can't say that. No, Biden can't say anything that Trump can say. Biden can take claim for a lot of things that aren't his, and he's doing a damn good job of that. And, but you know, I just was reading a survey while that audio was playing that says that. Most of the people believe that Trump is uh, the, the charges against Trump, even though they it's one charge divided by 34. Yeah, right. they, they just they parsed it out. It's the same charge. And I, I know the reason why they did what they did, but they're saying, oh, well, yeah, he's probably guilty of a sex crime. And that's part of it, because if you got one crime, you can beat that pretty, pretty hands down can beat that. But if you have it there in front of you 34 times and told it's 34 different crimes, well, you know, the law of probability says they only need one indictment. They get it. They got it. And even though it'll get overturned in in time, and people are surface, you know, they're super, they're superficial. They don't dig in. They don't really pay attention of the news. And the news is bought and paid for. And therefore, what you're getting is false narrative. And then you've got these trials that are going on, and they're not real trials. They're propaganda trials. And, you know, give me an idea for a, a show to do. But the, the point is, is that, you know, we are being, they're trying to lead us, you know, with misinformation, disinformation. And right now they got the upper hand. And unless we wake up and ignore what they're saying or take down what they're saying or prove what they're saying is just a lie, um, it's not going to get any better. We're not going to win in 2024, and it's, you know, if it's not all hands on deck now, is you better have a life preserver because you're going to be kicked off the boat. Gateway Pundit, which is a website, and uh, it has some great stories on it. You might want to check it out. It uh, reported that leftist judge Juan Manuel Mershon, who uh, oversees President Trump's sham case on junk felony charges, made political contributions to a nonprofit fundraising platform for Democratic candidates and progressive groups. Now, they show the documents, uh, and it's not a lot of money. I think one of them is like $15. The other one is maybe uh, another $15. But it's not a lot, but it's not the amount so much as the idea. Also, his daughter works for a business that has the Biden uh, campaign as a client. So what they're saying is that he could be removed on grounds of ethics violations. You know, if you're a judge, you're supposed to be impartial. You're supposed to be neutral. You're not supposed to have uh, an opinion one way or the other. You're supposed to be able to sit there and make an honest evaluation based on the facts presented to you. But that apparently isn't this guy Juan Mershon because... He he's a, a left leaning judge, and is mm-hmm. is there any way that President Trump can be uh, honestly judged? Uh, President Trump issued a video uh, over the weekend. I guess it was on Holy Saturday, and he said this: "Bragg's idiotic, small minded prosecution. This will likely all backfire. In fact, it already is backfiring. Americans are very smart people, and they see what's going on. This is a." Persecution disguised as a prosecution. I would dismiss it on its face 
because it fails to state a crime. The only crime that I have committed is to fearlessly defend our nation from those who seek to destroy it. And now these radical left lunatics want to interfere with our elections by using law enforcement. We can't let that happen. With all of this being said, and with a very dark cloud over our beloved country, I have no doubt, nevertheless, that we will make America great again. Only problem I have with that is uh, I don't know how much time we really have left as a country. I don't you see. I think this guy uh, Biden can do an incredible amount of damage in the next two years to our country, uh, to a point where we may not be recoverable. What do you think, Bill? Well, you know, I think back, and I always pull a, a, a you know from our career in radio, and I, I say that for a reason because we're dealing with statistics and numbers, and statistics and numbers don't they don't reveal themselves overnight uh you can sit there and do all these positive things and but the fruit of that labor is not going to be visit uh, visibly you know or apparent. visible yeah yeah uh, visibly apparent uh right away mm-hmm. yeah I, I can remember you know you're you're in a ratings war and all of a sudden well we spent this much money we did all this marketing we researched this music and then Things work on rolling trends. So you're sitting there going, why haven't the numbers ticked? Well, they have ticked. The clock ticked forward, but the old news, the old cycle hasn't gotten out of the cycle of being in review. So in other words, what's going on right now in the news, you know, really is reflective of, you know, actions done two, three, four, maybe six months ago. So if we're in deep doo-doo now, we were in deeper doo-doo six months ago, and we're probably in very deep doo-doo now. At what point are we drowning in it? Yeah, there's a a lag time. We're not being told. It's interesting. I was doing show prep, and I was thinking, I can't find anything at all about the Ukraine war. Maybe the biggest story since the beginning of the year, right, the war on the Ukraine, not nothing. It's it's as if it's stopped. And and trust me, it hasn't stopped. It's going on every day. People are dying every day in the Ukraine. And by the way, Putin still is angry with us and has threatened to launch nuclear bombs, nuclear weapons in our direction. But yet the media has lost all focus on that. It's 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 like a a dog being a, you know, its attention being taken away by a a running squirrel, you know? Ooh, look at the squirrel. And it's just completely going off in well, another direction. That's the attention span of the American. We're like little goldfish. You know, what happened 10 cents ago is his, or 10 cents ago, uh, 10 seconds ago is history. Yeah. And we only have a mind span of 10 seconds. Well, it's more than that, but still, it's like a goldfish. And then everything, it, its cycle starts all over again. And I guarantee with Putin and the war and the chances of them launching nukes, what we're hearing today that, well, he might go to war, you know, he's, he's a little angry. That was six months ago. And that pot has been boiling and boiling and boiling and boiling and boiling ever since. Yeah. And we're ignoring it. And then when we pay attention to it, you know, how the hell did that get so hot? And president, it's going to blow. President Trump just said this a couple of months ago. Every single day they talk about, will this end up in nuclear war? We're on the precipice of a disaster, the likes of which this world has never seen. This will make World War One and World War II like baby stuff. Like baby stuff. And I, I absolutely agree with him. I, I think that we're being sold a bill of goods right now, uh, and we're intentionally being diverted away from the nu- the uh, Ukrainian war because they, they're doing stuff. By the way, when we're not talking about it and when we're not seeing stories about it, it doesn't mean we're not doing stuff, for, you know, in the Ukraine. We're probably doing stuff they don't want us to talk about. You know, we could create a list of stories just to touch on every day, a cycle of 10. 
but there's more than 10 stories out there. We would we would spend a whole show just saying, hey, don't forget about this and don't forget about that and don't forget about this. And by the time we were done with the don't forget about, well, that's today's show, folks. Yeah. Uh, we had a lot to talk about, but uh, forget about it. You know, I mean, there are so many things going on out there. Uh, we, we try to keep our finger on, on the pulse of everything that is, you know, it, it, it's like that game that you play where you hit the frogs that pop up with the hammer. You know, what do they call that bopper or whatever oh, it is? Uh, whack-a-mole. Whack-a-mole, yeah. Yeah. You know, the, yeah, this is a real-life whack-a-mole, you know, and yeah. um, you're not going to win this game. You know, um, to give you an idea of how the media and the administration lies to us, and I only really kind of found this out uh, over the weekend. Do you know that not just one person died uh, in the January 6th protest, Ashley Babbitt. Do you know that four people, four people who were protesters died? You're saying, wait a second. Why, don't we, why didn't we hear about I'm it? Gonna, I, I want, it's amazing. You can see pictures on, on the web. Um, I'm going to read you, uh, if I can, uh, Rose, Roseanne Boylan. Roseanne Boylan was beaten by Officer Leela Morris, while she lay lifeless on the ground. And you say, oh, that's ridiculous. There's video of it. I saw it. Uh, also, um, it says uh, Kevin Greason. Greason was killed after police officers fired into the crowd that day. What they did is they fired rubber bullets. But I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but if you fire a rubber bullet at close range, you still can kill somebody. They're still mm-hmm. dangerous. They also, they threw, uh, ru- they had fire, they were firing rubber bullets, they had flash grenades and smoke bombs. So that was, uh, also, you don't hear about Benjamin Phillips, who was also shot by a rubber bullet uh, and killed. And they showed pictures. That's the thing that gets me. You didn't see these pictures in the January 6th committee uh, hearings. No, 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 no. There was no mention of anyone. They talked about five police officers who in, in reality died days, sometimes months after the January 6th protest. But there were four protesters who died on that day. And there was one other protest, and I can't find the name. Uh, I mentioned Benjamin Phillips, Kevin Greason. Uh, oh, and also, of course, Ashley Babbitt. We all know about Ashley Babbitt. She was killed uh, mm-hmm. in, right inside the building. And the only reason why we talk about her is because we got video of it. We, I mean, that was something which they couldn't keep from the press. Or they would have. Yes, they would have. So four people died on that day who were there to protest peacefully. And they were shot by rubber bullets. Or one of them, the poor woman, she was beaten with a billy club to death. And no big deal. Not nothing. And another guy they said should have died. He actually was pushed. He was hanging over the balcony of the Capitol. It's a two-story drop, and one of the police officers pushed him off the railing, and he fell two stories in. Fortunately, into the crowd, and he he lived, but he was hurt. And oh yeah, obviously so. So um, I mentioned that because. If we lived in a truly open and honest society, you would have heard about these people. You, you know, and they're still putting these people in jail. The, the, the protesters, I mean. They're still putting them in jail to this day. They, they just said last week they want to put another 1,000 January 6th protesters in that prison in Washington. You know, they've identified everybody that went to the rally. Yeah. Because that's really what it was. All right. So if you were there, maybe over to hear the speeches, or you couldn't get up close, but you were in the proximity. Right. Guess what? They know who you are. They know where you live and they know where you work. And if they decide to come get you, they will get you at the most conspicuous, uh, embarrassing place under with the most force possible to make you. An right. example. Why do they want to make you an example? Because if there's anybody else leaning your way, they want them to go, you know, they want the, you to think about it before you take on the government because the government's all powerful and almighty 
and is always right, never wrong. Well, look what happened in Austin, Texas. Uh, there was a Uber driver. I can't think of his name right now. This is off the top of my head, but it's in the news. You might have seen the story. And he was uh, caught up in a, uh, uh, I think it was a BLM Antifa protest. And he was in his car and he was stuck. And he's beeping his horn trying to get through the crowd. And one of the protesters, and I have, don't have his name either, but it's in the news. He turns around, he's holding an AR-15. And he points it directly at the Uber driver in the car. And the Uber driver has a, a weapon on him, and he proceeds to shoot the uh, the guy who's going to shoot at him and kill him. Mm-hmm. Now, in Texas, you have a right to stand your ground. And that's exactly what he was doing. He was standing his ground. What happened to him? He went to uh, to court in Austin, which is a predominantly Democratic stronghold in a in a conservative state, Austin, the capital, is really a democratic. Uh, oh, absolutely! Place. And they found him guilty of murder. They found him guilty mm-hmm. of murder. He faces up to life imprisonment. They're talking about his sentencing right now. The governor came out uh, yesterday, I believe, and said, "I'm going to recommend parole immediately. I can't do it uh, on my own. I have to present it to the parole commission." with my recommendation, and usually that happens. But uh, in the state of Texas, we don't have the ability to uh, unilaterally just parole. You know, if you're, the, if you're the governor, like President Trump could parole anybody when he was president because he had that authority, but the Texas governor doesn't have that authority. No, as a matter of fact, you get a state felony there, any kind of felony, or they call it a felony or they upgrade it to a felony, uh, that sticks with you in that it's worse than a federal felony in, in that state. I could recommend a good judge there. Uh, actually he's in a, but you just know, private practice now, federal the, judge. The thing is they, they want to make an example of this, uh, Uber driver. The super driver, by the way, was like an air force veteran or he was definitely an armed forces veteran. And, uh, doesn't he, matter. He was just doing his job and he was just trying to, to protect himself from being shot by a protester with an AR-15. And because he did so, they're punishing him, and they want to show the rest of the country that if we can do it to him, we can do it to you too. And they, mm-hmm. that's why, you know, Biden wants your weapons. He definitely wants your guns. He, every time there's a shooting, the first thing they do, I mean, the, the, the smoke hasn't left the barrel, and uh, they're, they're out in front of cameras talking about how it's the gun's fault. It's not the gun's fault. It's the person who pulled the trigger. It's as simple as that. I mean, you can't blame somebody. You can't blame a murder on the weapon you use to commit the murder. It's like back in 1892 in Fall River, Massachusetts, there was a woman named Lizzie Borden. And Lizzie Borden was... She she did it. She killed her mother and father with an axe, with a hatchet. And it was the biggest story, by the way, in the media for at its time because uh, for a lot of reasons, but uh, it was one of the first times in our, our country where the media had electronic uh, distribution. They, for example, in the courtroom, uh, right out back of the courtroom, the media took over the stable area and made them into telegraph uh, centers for the different uh, news uh, papers around the country. So they were getting stories like the snap of a finger. And so it became a hot story around the country. But Lizzie Borden, she killed her parents. It would be like saying, no, Lizzie didn't kill her parents. The hatchet killed the parents. All hatchets have to be taken away from people because they can kill you. Okay, not not the person who's holding the hatchet. It's the hatchet. And that's what guns are like. There was a, a sheriff down in Florida over the weekend who just came out and he laid it on the line. And he said it wasn't the guns that killed these people. It was it was the people who held the guns. And by the way, the people who held these guns were teenagers and they didn't have a right to have the guns in the first place. They shouldn't so have, they have them. Yeah. Well, they had had them because they got them illegally. They got them from, they had broken into homes or, or cars or something and stolen them. 
They had stolen these guns. He said criminals are going to get guns. They're going to get guns no matter who, what you do with laws. Forget the idea that by outlawing guns, you're going to get the guns away from the criminals. The only thing that changes with gun laws is the price of the gun and where it came from. That's all that changes because if I go, well, they're illegal, I want a gun. You know, and they're legal now. But if I want a gun that nobody knows about, that is, I, I'm not going to say, oh, I know exactly where to go. I'll have a knock at the door. But I can surmise that there are places to go. Can't say that because I, I know that there were old loopholes some 15, 20 years ago, and I'm sure they're different now. But you can get a, a dirty gun and, uh, you know, have, and be armed. And, you know, when they take away the guns, don't think that people aren't going to still self-harm. Yeah, of course. I mean, you'd be crazy to think that good people aren't going to try to protect themselves. Uh, but it's going to be a lot harder. Now, all of a sudden, good people doing the right thing that was lawful, you know, not too long, suddenly they'll be doing it uh, behind the scenes. It'll almost be like the Prohibition era, when up until the Prohibition uh, laws were put in place, having a drink wasn't a crime, right? All of a sudden they made yeah. having a drink a crime, and good people had to sneak their bathtub gin or go to, to a speakeasy to go have a drink. Uh, well, right now going on, there's a story about AOC, you know, and, and, and an interview that she did, it was about abortion stuff. And, you know, Joe, you know, uh, you know, was handed down. Well, there was a judge that handed down a law, a ruling that, you know, enforces the abortion that, uh, you, the, yeah, the right against abortion. Well, you know, it's it, not something the left likes. Let's put it that way. Right. And AOC sat there and said, just ignore the law. That's exactly. That's Joe, yeah, I saw Joe that. Joe Biden just needs to ignore the law. And I'm like going, and they're saying that, and they're floating that now because what they're basically saying, you know, it's if it's not the rule of their law, yeah. but the rule of anybody else's law, ignore it. Laws are made for thee, not for me. Yeah, okay. and now they're publicly stating it. It's in the news. It's front page today. And I'm like going, you know, so I think, you know, that old six-month thing that I said, you know, and they talk about, uh, you know, uh, succession. I, I think we're six months behind the times and really it happening because I think the boiling point hit quite some time ago. And it's just when people get up enough is, nerve. The thing is they want they want, uh, yeah, they want us to go to civil war. They want this divide to, to boil over like you were talking about. But they want I'm, that pot to boil over because they think that they have the armed forces and everything behind them and they will crush us. And in doing so, they will destroy permanently the movement, The be it, call it MAGA, call it conservative. They will crush it. Well, here's what they don't understand. They can kill off every conservative in this country. And if they do, you know, I, I bless them with the world that they've created because China's going to walk in and rule their damn ass and kill them, or Russia will. We are, we are setting ourselves up for the taking. So it really doesn't matter, you know, whether you win that war or lose that war. You really, you know, if, if the left wins it, we've lost it. Yeah. And the only hope is if you did do a, a, a succession, to, uh, you, you would, the right would win. At least we would have a fighting well, chance to put it back together. I, most of the right believe in the right to, to bear arms, and, right. they, and they have them. Okay? So, and so they're afraid that if a civil war to st were to start now, uh, the right would be armed, okay? The good guys would be armed. They don't want that. That's why they want your guns as soon as possible. So uh, it's going to be a lot easier for them to crush you. Yeah. A lot easier for them to bring them down. the right has got a lot of Chris Christie's out there, like Chris Christie was on the news oh, over the weekend saying, yeah. you know, uh, Trump needs to face it. You know, the one candidate, the only candidate that uh, – uh, that can uh, beat Trump, or, or how did he put it? The only Republican Biden can beat is Trump. 
understand well, something. Understand something. He has a chip on his shoulder because Trump well, wouldn't, yeah. Trump wouldn't give him a secretary position in his administration because he is a phony. He, you know, well, this, this is the guy. You remember where he shut down the beaches in New Jersey when he was governor? Yeah. He shut down all the beaches in New Jersey. You couldn't go to the beach. And then they got a helicopter shot of him sitting in all of his uh, his glory. glory. Yes, uh, sitting on the beach, enjoying an empty beach by himself uh, because he could, because he was the exception to his rule. Well, he was a beached whale. And I got news for Christy. <laughs> he needs to set the Twinkies down and pay attention to the fact that he says that, you know, that uh, Trump is the only person Biden can beat. Well, gee, as I recall, Mr. Christie. Uh, Mr. Christie, put the Twinkie down. Listen carefully now. You see, Trump beat you. Yeah. So either you're admitting that uh, Biden didn't really win, you know, or the fact that you're the big loser, or both. You know, I mean. You know, we have so much craziness going on in our society right now. You know, we have uh, Budweiser beer, the king, oh, the, the king of beers, right? You have it. Uh, putting a transgender on its Bud Light cans, and I want to play for you a little audio. This is from, this is a guy. He's a merchandiser. He's he's a a guy who uh, works for a distributor of Anheuser Busch products, the company that makes Bud Light. Right. And listen to what he says. Um, I work for an affiliate company. I am a merchandiser. The sole product of the company I work for is Anheuser-Busch products. So with all this canceling going on, um, there's, I mean, I've never seen such little sales in this past few days uh, on these products. And it's, it's sad because when people don't buy this beer, I don't make money, and I can't feed my family. So it's kind of uh, heartbreaking, I guess, that um, Anheuser-Busch did what they did. They don't know their clientele. So it's uh, kind of heartbreaking. Thanks, Anheuser-Busch. I may not be able to feed my family coming up here soon. And this is a guy who's walking down an aisle in a, uh, a store, and you see just case after case of Anheuser-Busch product unsold. Mm-hmm. And he's pointing to it as he's talking. And you got to feel sorry for the guy because he didn't do anything wrong. Some fathead, some despicable moron in the marketing department and beyond. By I think it goes up to the CEO. You don't, you don't brand a product. You don't change the focus of the product the branding of it, without the guy who's sitting in the big chair knowing about it. Uh, And you know what amazes me is they continue with all of the turmoil that's going on right now. You think that Anheuser-Busch would have said, you know, we thought we were doing something that was socially acceptable and good for our country, but in retrospect, we've made a mistake. We apologize to our customers. It won't happen again. And they would pull their this brand off and put their old cans back in, you know, do a mea culpa, apologize for what you've done. And hopefully the customers will come back. But these sons of guns, they just keep going. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, because I could be wrong on this. I know there was talk of it that Anheuser-Busch is no longer an American owned company. It's owned by a German company. You're absolutely correct. It's not the company out of St. Louis. So, yeah, the, that company, Budweiser, died when they were sold. And as far as that company's concerned, because they wanted to change the formulation of, of Budweiser. And, you know, the where the beer is brewed with Budweiser, if you're a classic beer drinker and remember from the day, I remember an old manager and I, we used to go and, you know, to get our weekend Budweiser, we'd sit there, we'd look where the cans were brewed because, we knew, well, this plant, they got a brand new, you know, they got a brand new kettle. It tastes sterile. You know, you didn't want the wa- this thing from Jacksonville, their brewery down there, because the water didn't taste right. St. Louis, because, you know, that, that 
the character of the beer was, you know, into those kettles and stuff and the water, everything was perfect. Houston actually had a good brew. You know, it doesn't matter anymore because they wanted to change the whole formulation anyway because they wanted to make it a more German beer. It's just a brand they bought. They can take that name and shelve it for a while. It, says, it says in June of uh, 2008, Belgian, yeah. Belgian Brazilian Brewing Company InBev, I-N-B-E-V, announced that it had made uh, a deal to purchase uh, Anheuser-Busch for $46 billion. So you're absolutely correct. It's now owned by, uh, by a company called InBev. By the way, uh, Bud Light, Budweiser, and Skoll are the three highest-grossing beers in the world. So when you think about what kind of effect does uh, this have on this company, well, if it's one of the biggest brands that they have and nobody's buying it right now, there's a lot of beer going sour in the can. Uh, yeah, on, make on the, sure the that those are the three brands you don't buy. Right. Don't buy them anymore. Um you know, and, and that's just the way it is. And it's sad that you got to do it. It's sad you got to do it because there's a there's a trickle-down effect that, you know, there are innocent people that make their living from that company, and they feed their children and whatnot. But if the shoe were on the other foot, they would say, I'm sorry, but that's not my problem. It is your problem. I'd like it to know. your problem that you work for a woke company, so... I'd like to Sorry. know who the big investors are in InBev, I-N-B-E-V. I'd like to know who the money well, people you, are. Probably uh, that would be another show entirely <laughs> uh, because a lot of these companies, you know, globalization has been going on for a long time, and the American institution of things that were done and made here, specifically done here, you know, um, that is, that is that's a big, iconic piece of America, Budweiser beer. Yeah. What was the motto? For all you do, this bud's for you. You know, Baba do bud, bud, yeah. Baba do bud, bud. You know, when you say bud, you said it all. <laughs> when you say Budweiser, you've bum, bum, said, it, said see, it all. See, it's part of our lexicon, right? And yeah, we, we we know all the jingles. We see in our mind's eye the uh, Clydesdale horses pulling the the wagon through the snow. It, it's such a and all of a sudden someone says, "Let's take this wacko uh, transgender and put his face in image on every single can that we make of our product." And They're killing the product. They're killing uh anything that's American. And they're doing it because they say, you know, that we were built on profit and greed. We're a very materialistic country. Well, yes, we are. But the people that bought it up, obviously, they're very materialistic because their number one brands are the American beers that they bought. But the difference is when you become a part of the American dream here, mm-hmm. Everybody can share in that dream and make money right. and prosper. Yeah. You can't do that in Venezuela right. or Brazil or Belgium. Forget about it, you know? No, that that's the that's the land of the Soros is Soros and people like that. You, you know, that that's got a dream, you know, you just came up with a great invention. Forget about it. You know what? It's it really belongs to the state, the land, it belongs to Soros. The other, thing, up now. the other thing happening is, um, I, I don't know if you've seen this or not, but in Taiwan, they're doing another military exercise. The Chinese are around the island of Taiwan. They're going to have like 77 of their fighter jets doing these uh, pretend sorties uh, on mm-hmm. Taiwan. They're not going to... Oh, how it starts. Oh, that's exactly how it starts. You know, do you send... A massive amount of uh, your air power. One mistake. One, yes. one misfired launch. Now, one stray plane. And then he, and then along comes a guy who's never seen a war he didn't like, uh, South Carolina Republican Lindsey Graham. He said in a televised interview on Sunday that he was open to having U.S. troops on the ground defending Taiwan from a potential attack by China. So he wants us to fight in the Ukraine. He wants us to fight in Taiwan. He's never seen a war, folks, that he doesn't want us fighting on. And that's one of those rhinos that you were talking about. 
That's See, we, we have a problem on both sides of the fence. Yep. But I got to think there are a lot of good Democrats out there. And they need to come out from the darkness and let it be known that they're not happy with this because it is those Democrats that this Republican sit down at the table and have a beer or have a have whatever to drink, a glass of wine together, and say, well, this is what I think. No, okay, that's what you think. All right, we're not going to meet totally in the middle, but how do we find an outcome that we both can live with on this? You know, and, and yeah. you know, we, we used to be able to sit down and negotiate and talk. Now it's just so divisive. If we don't get this fixed... Well, I, I don't think it's there are over. too many. I don't no, think, I think there are too over. many Repub- uh, Democratic politicians who will do that. But I do think there are a lot of uh, well-meaning de- Democratic people, people who are party then members. They've got to get into office. We got to take these career cats out of there. Yeah, you know, you look at Biden. You know, and he talks about his humble beginnings. Maybe he did have humble beginnings, but he got into the Senate. At uh, 29, yeah, and then on his inauguration, his wife and his da- daughter died in a car accident. And you know what my feelings are about that car accident with Joe and Jill. And Jill used to be the babysitter, and there was a little going on between the two of them. I think there's something more to that accident than meets the eye, and it was used as as a convenience. But he has been in power, in political power, for many, many, many years. Now, the time during... Him leaving as vice president before he won so big, those off years, he made $73 million. Yeah. How did he do that when well, he's got I mean, nothing? He's just got an amazing business sense. But before we wrap up this uh, this program today, uh, I thought I'd pass this along to you. A couple of right. interesting things. Fisher Investments announced it was relocating its headquarters from Washington State to Texas. Uh, the announcement came after the Washington State Supreme Court ruled that capital gains tax was uh, was constitutional. Fisher is one of the largest employees uh, in Washington with uh, 1,800 employees who work for them. They're going to be all going down to Texas. Also, uh, it's interesting, Melania Trump, when she was a model, she was in all sorts of magazines. She's a gorgeous right. woman. She's a beautiful lady. Uh, but when she was the first lady, uh, they didn't want to have anything to do with her because her last name was Trump. You'll never guess who made... Vogue magazine. Vogue. Melania. Pardon? Melania. No, 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 no. That would be too okay, Vogue. Yeah. Michelle? No, 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 no. I'll give you one more shot. I don't know. Some guy that says he's a woman? <laughs> no. Stormy Daniels. That's oh, right. That's, well, that's right. Stormy Daniels uh, made uh, Vogue magazine. She's going to be in Vogue. Uh, she's got her, she's got clothes on, which some of her fans won't recognize her. So, uh, (laughs) but there she is in all of her glory in Vogue because it's the cool thing to do. She's the in thing. She's the lady who signed the letter saying she wrote the letter and signed it, that there was nothing to see here. He never did anything to me. And then she took that all back when it was to her benefit, when she could get some more publicity out of it. Uh, she's, she's a liar and, uh, she's proven it on, on a number of occasions. So what does the left do? They, they celebrate her by putting her in Vogue magazine. Anyway, we're done friends. Have a wonderful day. It's been an interesting first show. Hopefully uh, well, I'll tell you what, yeah, it was, you know, Hey, listen, if you want to contact us, our phone number is 833-538-7868. 833-538-7868. There's also mail at itsanotherday.com and uh, mail at crnamerica.com. Hey, friends, have a great day. Bill, we'll do it again tomorrow. It's been a pleasure. All right. You have a good one. Happy first day after Easter. Uh, what is today called? It's called the first day after Easter. Thank you very oh, much. Uh, yeah, okay. i, I, I got to circle that and mark that yes. on my calendar, so I'll know it next year. The Voice of Freedom, CRN America. These days, when you want an answer about just about anything, you ask Alexa. You ask her about the weather. You ask her who won your favorite sporting event. You ask her to find a fact that you can't find anywhere. Well, we did that too. We asked her how many people have downloaded itsanotherday.com. And this is what she said. From Acceleration.com. 
It has been downloaded as much as 260,433,467 times. I know. Seems like a lot. Seems like a lot to us, too. But it's Alexa. Thanks for making us a part of your day. And tell your friends about It's Another Day. Com. We could use an extra listener. I mean, what do you do when you only have 260 million? <laughs>